Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a group of women with one thing in common create a club. Their goal, get their murdering ex-boyfriend behind bars. We'll review The Girlfriends from iHeartMedia and Novel. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, My Husband and Love of My Life, my girlfriend, Kevin Flynn. Hey, Kevin. Hey, girlfriend. I got you. I got you. I got you. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Lara Bricker. Hey, Lara. Hey, Rebecca. And f- hey, girlfriend. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, this is obviously Thursday's program. It's not just Thursday's program. Why not? This is the 450th episode of Crime Writers On. STFU. No. Oh, God. No. Is that possible? It is possible. The 450, like, new episode or the 450th episode period? New episodes. Wild. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, I'm having a computer count for me now, so, uh, but it's, uh, if you see in the show notes, it's uh, that's the number listed. Are we going to have to do something, like, in 25 weeks for our 500th episode? Oh, it's not. It's going to be 20-something weeks, because we're doing two. Oh, we're doing I literally episodes. just said 25 weeks. We're going to have to do something for our 500th episode. Did you not yeah, hear me? I thought you said 50 something weeks. <laughs> we should go to Vegas. Oh, my God. <laughs> go to Vegas. I think we should go to there's, Vegas. There's nothing that says crime writers on more than hitting Vegas. I mean, just saying. Well, okay. What do you think? Should we do something wild? Should we do like a live show? Should we have yeah. dancing girls? Should, what should we do? We should all, have, listen, all of the I above. Would, all I of the above. Like yeah. I would to invite listeners to like send us a voice memo about their favorite crime writers on things. That's what I like okay. to do. So send us a voice memo memo to crimewriterson at gmail.com. or if you're a patron, just like send us a note and we'll tell you how to do it. And we'd love to include maybe some of your uh, takes. On our 500th episode, what do you think, Kevin? Yeah, we'll That'd figure. Yeah, we'll figure out what we. I mean, we did for the 200th episode. Yeah, 
we did a whole big, I should say, I did a whole big clip show. Yes. It took you weeks did. and weeks to put together, and I'm just not that interested. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do that this American Lifestyle I was lifestyle just amazed, special. like, we had lasted 200 episodes, and I'm like, oh, 500. I'm like the, I'm like the, the people with just a mild cold living in, in the nursing home. Like, I can't believe I've come on this far. Yeah, so this. when This American Life did their 500th episode, all the producers just talked about their favorite episode, and they played a clip from it. Mm-hmm. So how about we just talk about our favorite episodes of This American Life and play clips from Yeah, well, yes, we could do that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, well, we have something actually we have to talk about tonight that isn't about us. Well, you didn't ask us what's coming up Monday. Oh. You got skipped around. I was. I did ask you no. that. And then you said, this isn't just Thursday's show. That's where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah. So what, Kevin, is coming up on Monday's Crime Writers On, the 451st ah. episode of Crime Writers On? We're going to be talking about the Roman Empire. <laughs> <laughs> for crying out loud. Again? Again. I, I just, I can't get enough of the Roman Empire. I'm going to stop thinking about it. <laughs> I'm going to wear a special outfit. I never think about it. I toga, never think toga, about toga. It. I never, ever, ever think about it. On Monday's show, we're going to be talking about BS High. It's a documentary on HBO. I've seen a lot of people talking about that. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about. I'm looking forward to that. Um, any sense of what's coming up after that? Or we just don't talk about what the next thing after that? We just oh, yeah. So on Monday, yeah, Monday, we're going to be talking about BS High. And then on Thursday, a week from today, we're going to talk about the podcast Dear Alana. Okay. All right. Looking forward to that one, too. All right. So it's time, I think, to get into what we're talking about today. Let's do it. Right? It's a very yeah. popular podcast. People want to hear us talk do it, about girl. it. Let's get into it. Let's lead off and drop that first clip right now. Everybody thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. He spoke several languages. He did medical missionary work. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. That's all she talked about. He was a pilot. He had his own plane. He was Jewish. He was the shit. In the 90s, Carol Fisher started dating Dr. Bob Bierenbaum, but she broke it off with a charming physician after seeing his dark side. Carol created a kind of support group among Bob's ex-girlfriends. The talk soon turned to a strange part of his past. The doctor's first wife disappeared under mysterious circumstances. And I think no matter you know what, she wouldn't abandon her patients. What do you think happened to your wife? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm worried. Gail Katz vanished from New York City in 1985, around the time she told friends she was going to leave Bob. The case stayed cold for years until detectives turned to Carol and her friends for help. It was becoming clear that if the prosecutors were going to get anywhere with the Vegas interviews, they needed to come to the people who knew Bob best in this town. The women who did like to gab. The girlfriends. The podcast The Girlfriends from Novel and iHeartMedia describes the sisterhood formed among Bob's suspicious former lovers and how investigators used their knowledge to get an arrest. The women also meditate on their relationship with each other and the murder victim they never knew. Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about plot points from The Girlfriends. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So Laura Bricker, Carol, our narrator, really has a presence on the mic. I think it's an interesting choice to uh, have Carol be the teller of this story, although there's someone else with the last name Fisher with a story development credit in the in the thing. So I'm guessing that there's a reason why Carol is the one telling the story. But 
you know, she is not obviously Elaine, Gail's sister. She is sort of, you know, comes in in the middle of the story in many, many ways. But she is a very strong presence in the story and has a very distinctive voice. And you don't usually talk about women's voices. and but But she does have a very distinctive voice. And I think hers is worth talking about. Yeah, well, I have to say, like, I kept listening to it and I kept hearing Joan Cusack. The fact is Gail was in love and she wanted it to work out with Bob just like I had. No amount of side eye from Elaine was going to convince her otherwise. After around a year of dating, Gail and Bob got engaged. I was kind of hoping for more swearing based on the trigger warnings at the beginning about her sailor potty mouth. Um, yeah, well, she wasn't that much of a sailor. Carol, you're not that bad. Yeah, hang around with me for a day. You'll really be like, oh my gosh, like I need earmuffs. I think you get three fucks, right? For PG-13. And then if you get more than three fucks, it's uh, R. <laughs> um, yeah, but I thought it was interesting, um, you know, just that she was the person to tell this story, that she was the host based on her past involvement with Bob. I was thinking this was more of like a, we're going to go investigate. I was a little surprised as the podcast continued to find out that Bob had actually been convicted of murder. Hmm. I, I don't know if anyone else was just in that initial episode. I thought, oh, this is just going to be one of those like reflective trip down memory lane. And and then I'm like, oh, actually, this is a case that's been solved. You mean he was convicted 20 years ago? Yeah. like I wasn't it, surprised because uh, I remember the doctor in the plane who threw his wife out. Well, I don't plane. remember that. I wasn't living on Long Island, Rebecca. I don't remember that. So I was a little surprised to be like, oh, okay. I didn't think that was the direction it was going to take based on the setup of like girlfriends banding together and, and everything else. But I thought she did a great job for somebody that doesn't come from a podcasting background. Yeah. I'm not sure it's about so much about that as it is sort of about how different women who are affected by the same abuser also then come together to sort of share their experiences of having been in bad relationships and how that sort of bonds them. And I think it's also about reflecting on just thinking about this situation, right? Because one of the things that happens, Toby, is that Carol has all these moments of reflection where she's realizing that she's like, developed this Nancy Drew club where they're just sort of speculating about Bob's potentially being a murderer and they're having like lunch over it and, and laughing about it. And her friend Mindy is doing library searches and stuff and being like, ooh, juicy stuff. And then she's like having these moments where after hearing the interviews with Elaine, Gail's sister, she's like, fuck, like I'm having this, we're realizing that we were like making light of this for all those years. So that that's kind of part of what this is about too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the frequent criticism of the true crime genre, right? Is that People are being amused or entertained or whatever by somebody else's tragedy. And I think she's acknowledging the fact that she's a little uncomfortable with how much fun they're having. Although part of it is, again, this sort of shared experience they had of, of having this abusive sort of crazy boyfriend. But, you know, what kind of brings that, that further sort of thrill, I think, for them is this idea that he could have murdered his wife. And then when the sort of reality of that hits her, she's kind of reflective of maybe we are making too light of this, which is obviously a tragedy. And I, and I feel like, you know, tonally, this podcast is kind of all over the place. And I don't know if that's necessarily bad, but it really starts off in kind of jaunty fashion where they're like, well, this one's going to be kind of more fun. And then we'll get to the, and you know, the, the soundtrack is, is sort of eccentric, but also 
you know, it's kind of chipper and, and, and interesting, but then I'm sure we'll talk about the end. You know, there's also these parts that are, are, are very, very grim. I think it could be criticized for being a little bipolar yeah. <laughs> in, in how it's approaching things. I, I don't know if I'm really criticizing it as much as just sort of observing that that's the case mm. and that, that may be, if it's intentional, I think it's making kind of an interesting comment on the genre, whether it's the comment they're trying to make or whether it's something that I'm kind of reading into it and it is maybe not completely, uh, doesn't reflect quite as well on the podcast as it might. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I I don't disagree with you. And Kevin, I want to ask you about this because I don't know if the podcast makes a promise at the beginning, but I think that what it actually is, is this is a true crime story and we found ourselves inside of it Mm -hmm. unexpectedly. And now I'm going to tell you the story of what it's like to be inside of a true crime story unexpectedly and then to learn about it retroactively. And this is what I've learned since then. But I, I I was sort of unexpectedly in it. I touched it in this light way. And here's what I've learned since then. And here's how I feel about it now. And this is like this community that's been built around it, sort of the unexpected community. That's kind of what it's about. But I don't think that's what it promises at the beginning, right? Well, okay. So I'll just say that I know that people who write ad copy and show notes and uh, PR plans and things like that may not always be the people that are, you know, the executive producers or even the the hosts. But they do talk about like how this is not going to be typical, how this is like hard hitting, um, how it's feminist and how it's, um, you know, like this buddy. It's like, is it a buddy buddy movie? Because you've got, you know, these two women who have a, a light, funny relationship with one another. It's not really a buddy story. They say it's going to be hard hitting. They use the term hard hitting, but it, it, it really isn't. You know, I think that like they want this to be an empowering feminist tale. And I'm not the best judge of that, but I just it just doesn't sort of radiate that to me. You know, Toby talks about the different tones, right? Is this going to be like, you know, a bunch of pals that are going to be like uh, having brunch and talking about, you know, murder plans, like only murders in the building kind of. It's it's not really that. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, this I will talk about it more. I mean, I don't think this was meant for me because it doesn't resonate with me the same way it does with some of our listeners. But um, it just it just like thematically and for the execution, it just was inconsistent. Right. I don't disagree with you, by the way, Kevin, at all. I don't disagree with you that it was inconsistent in its execution at all. There were parts of it I liked very much. One of the parts that I liked very much was the scene setting in episode one when we meet Carol and go to her mother's house and we meet all of the Jewish women sitting around unpacking the food and sort of like are inside that community. Mindy's here too. Her and my mom are very close. One of the things, Laura, that we learned there is we sort of understand how it is that a man like Bob can so quickly infiltrate a group of women and not only date Mindy, but then also end up dating Carol, who's both Mindy's friend and also Mindy is Carol's mother's friend (laughs) because Bob moves to Las Vegas and he's a Jewish doctor. And that's like what everybody wants. And I love that scene setting because without it, like we would have been like, why the fuck is everybody dating this guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That Like they set that up. Um, Bob was a hot commodity. And 
on one side, I'm like, wow, this guy is like fresh meat or something. Uh, you know, he's yes. a doctor. He speaks five languages. He has a pilot's license. He has his own plane. When he asks them if they want to get high, he's not talking about drugs. He's talking about his little plane. And he takes everybody up in his plane. He cooks. He skis. You know, I remember when I was in college, I had a friend that taught with me at this horseback riding camp. And she she went to Bates. And she had like this very wealthy boyfriend from college who had a private plane who would like fly down to visit her in Vermont for the weekend. And I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Really? But again, he was like a hot commodity, but Bob um, really was. And I just, I think on one hand, I thought it was super interesting the way that they introduce sort of the allure of Bob. On the other hand, I thought, geez, like, do you have any decision-making if you're a single Jewish woman? into who you might actually organically like? Or is it sort of pre-prescribed that like, this is what you need to find. And now we have found this unicorn, Bob, and we all need to just like pounce upon it. You know what I mean? Like, um, it was very interesting. That's like a lot of, that's a lot, like a lot of communities in a lot of places. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not Jewish women alone, but it definitely is like a lot of communities. In a lot well, of- in this, in this case, it was all the Jewish mothers and the Jewish women. And, and, and Bob was like, my God, I'm amazed he still had his clothes on. They hadn't just ripped him to shreds out there. <laughs> but listen, they're not shy about it and they're not keeping kosher because Bob made lobster at their house for them. That was a detail that I also liked a lot. After they bought it for him. Exactly, exactly. Bob was quite the piece of work. Um, So, Kevin, two of the characters we meet in the podcast to help unravel all of this Mm -hmm. are these uh, cold case detectives or people who work for the DA. (laughs) (laughs) And they love spending money, right? Like, that's their whole thing. Yeah, no, I know a cold case detective. And it's true. These guys, like, they have to travel a lot of places to track down leads. So they are on the road quite a bit on the taxpayer's dime. I don't know if I would have been so open and jovial about the fact that you're staying in luxury hotels and going to all these great golf courses while while you're supposed to be talking to, you know, ex-cons and things like that about, well, you know, what happened to the torso and shit like that. You know, as a taxpayer, I don't know if I would really be thrilled to know my money was going towards that. Unlike if I were a patron and I knew that my money was going towards getting up to, oh, I don't know, 15 exclusive podcasts each month. We have over... 400 podcasts behind the paywall Amazing. at patreon.com. You can get episodes of Crime Writers on early and ad free. There you also can get exclusive podcasts like the CWO After Show, Married with Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club. On Monday, Toby's going to be doing the live recording of his next Deep Dive Book Club podcast. And the book is by Gilbert King from Bone Valley. Mm. Anyone want to make, make a Bone Valley joke right now? How about this? Bone, Bone Valley. Perfect. We've been waiting for is that. Is that enough? Is that all we need? It's enough. The name of the book is Beneath a Ruthless Sun. And Toby, tell us about your panel who's going to be talking about this. Uh, well, it's going to be uh, Janet Varney and uh, Nanita Cranford. And Elon Green. Okay. We're going to be seeing Janet Varney uh, at the end of next month when we go to Obsessed Fest. If you're interested in going to Obsessed Fest, that's in Dallas. And uh, you can go to ObsessedFest.com and get your your tickets. Rebecca and I will be there. We'll be signing crime writers' books and playing games and doing all sorts of cool stuff. Yep. Uh, And also at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media, you can get the Leave it to Bricker podcast. The latest episode, Laura was uh, taking us on her adventures as a cattle rustler or a cowgirl. (laughs) 
But Laura, you've got some. Um, you're promising that in the next episode, you also have some um, some four legged friends, and they're not cats. I do. Uh, yeah, they're not cats. Um, Rocky Flintstone, my cat, was a little bothered by them when he looked out the front door and saw the eight goats in front of my house uh, in my garden eating my poison ivy. So mm. I'm going to take you inside what it was like to hire rent-a-goats, my plan to get rid of the poison ivy, and a little bit more about how it is that goats can actually eat poison ivy and not get sick. Mm. And, and also the fact that I violated my condo rules to do this. So it was a big adventurous day. It was. Breaking the rules. What my are going to do? Kick you out? You bought the damn thing. <laughs> it was like a definite infraction, though. But um, but they were on leashes, so I figured I was following all the rules. By the way, every condo owner yeah. like who's listening to this is like, "Fuck you, Rebecca." <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I mean, I'll get into that, but I'm just gonna say it was a big adventure, and um, I my quest to have somebody do yoga while I had the goat stare didn't happen. Mm. But there was a lot that did happen during the goats coming to my house. Nice. Yeah. Also want to let you know elsewhere in Partners in Crime Media Land that the latest episode of These Are Their Stories is out. Our guest is Brandy Brown, and we're looking at a classic episode of Criminal Intent. That's the one with Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. Acting all weird and stuff. This is called uh, Icarus. This is the one in which an actor on stage uh, is one of, it's one of these accident-prone, high-flying theater shows where the person person falls and breaks their (laughs) neck in an injury or death to the lead actor there's a full payout to all the investors no one loses a dime two days before mark was killed evan corman had a half hour conference call with insurance agents going over the details of the force majeure clause so the producer wanted his own star killed All right, so Kevin, before we wrap up the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Vanessa Crabbe and Cherie Blancet. Bless you. Bless you, Vanessa and Cherie. I hope I hope we pronounced your names correctly. And we thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. If you want a chance to have us read your names on our podcast, you can also support us on Patreon. But bless you to everyone who does, and bless you to everyone who doesn't. We love you all. All right, Kevin, should I go ahead and fade the music out right now? Fade it out. Go ahead and do that. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. All right, so we need to talk about the actual case here. We need to talk about Bob. 
So at the very least, Toby, we're talking about a man who murdered his wife and that same day went to a birthday party. I mean, this isn't somebody who clearly has a lot of like, I don't know, guilt, (laughs) remorse. And he he didn't really go to great lengths to, I don't know, cover up the crime. It doesn't seem right. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing in that he does this sort of bare minimum where he wants to sort of account for the time when she was murdered. So he goes to this birthday party so he can be seen there. But then they talk about how afterwards, like when somebody turned up who might have been his wife at a union station or somewhere and they're like you gotta come down the cops are like you gotta come down and it might be your wife here and he's like uh you know i don't know and they're like no seriously and then he like can barely get out of his apartment to see if his missing wife is there and he's not really involved in putting out posters or doing anything to really look for her and then starts dating within a couple of weeks so um you know, it's one of those things where some people like commit a crime and like freak out and do all this stuff to try and cover their tracks or whatever. And this guy didn't seem like he needed to do much of anything at all. He just was like, all right, well, I'm moving on. And it didn't really seem to bite him in the ass until much later. Well, there's something really clearly wrong with him. I mean, Laura, we hear that several uh, psychiatrists, three, I believe, one flat refused to work with him. Second one, I mean, they all wanted to contact Gail. Some They did contact Gail and warn her that she was in danger from him. And like after one visit with him. So there's something really, really wrong there. And I, I, I do have actually questions about how this podcast handled the domestic violence issues. I'll just give you one example. There's this word blackmail that's used about uh, Gail taking the letter to quote blackmail Bob to leave him. I wouldn't call that blackmail. I would say she was using the letter as a way to say like, I'm going to leave you. Here's the here's the leverage that I can use because she was scared of him and she and that you need that. It's not blackmail. Like that's her tool that she is using to get out of this horribly abusive relationship. You can't call it blackmail because that's implying some wrongdoing on her part, which I didn't care for. Um, But yeah, there was clearly something very, very wrong with this man, right? Right. Yeah. And and before I get into that, I'm going to say I agree with you, Rebecca, because I feel like one of my criticisms of this podcast is that I feel like it came into this like domestic violence. It's it's there. It's everywhere. And I'm like, it has been here. It has been everywhere. It was like it was like brand new information. Um, like this was like a big revelation. And I'm like, this has been something that's going on for quite a while, uh, forever. But anyway, yeah, there were red flags. And I think that those red flags that they raised in this can be helpful to people who are not well-versed in signs of domestic violence, of domestic partner abuse, of controlling behavior. So he was very controlling. And at one point we have a neighbor talking about how his wife didn't feel comfortable at home. Another time the sister calls when he caught his wife smoking and he choked her. You know, when she gets him, like you said, to go see a therapist, that therapist ends up writing her a letter. Then this is like, I mean, for a therapist to write her a letter after seeing him to say, get out of the message, he was concerned he might kill her. That is a huge breach of patient-client confidentiality, of ethics. I know we talk about this in the legal world of like, when can you ever say anything that happens in that privileged world of this is like client confidential. 
it's usually if somebody's actively being killed. So for a therapist, either, to, I mean, it could be like, okay, maybe this therapist was, you know. He was trying to absolve himself of liability. That's the, that was the letter. Yeah, they, they talk about that. It's like a, it's like a, there's a legal precedent. It was so that he wouldn't get sued if, if she got, if she killed her. Yeah. But, you know, there was so many weird things. They go out on that weird double date to the sushi restaurant and then He's he like her. Yep. feeds her and then tries to shove food into her sister. Like, it, so there's a lot of weird, uncomfortable behaviors, unhealthy behaviors. And it's like, okay, you go back to that episode. We're like, oh, we've got this Jewish doctor. Blah, we all, and you're like, no, here's all these things. And at what point and how do you take those seriously enough to say, like, it doesn't matter. They drive, like, flies a freaking plane. Like, this this guy has problems, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, he, he clearly did, but he's also a very good love bomber. And that was never also discussed in the podcast. He was a love bomber, which is how he got women to become his fiance so quickly. He was good at the love bombing part. And that is what also abusers do. Um, so, Kevin, but he's also a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So people trusted him for that reason, too. Yeah, especially at this time where, like, Doctors were like God, right? You know, um, uh, Lara, by the way, what's the difference between God and a doctor? Uh, God doesn't think he's a doctor. <laughs> uh, so this really was a time where like everybody had to take the doctors where they were so, so revered. And so that kind of like plays into this, you know, this is like the kind of fuel for people who are sociopaths or psychopathic or just self-absorbed the ass kissery and the deference is a real fuel there for bad behavior and so if you're already predisposed to that you're going to really um you know drink it up and demand it and demand it not just from patients but from the people in your life so for somebody with his personality his um you know inclination towards violence to be a revered physician is like just the kind of cover that he needs and, and the kind of thing that would sort of, you know, continue to feed his bad behavior. Can I talk about one person, though? Sure. And this we haven't talked about yet. It's Lane, who's a Gail's sister. Yep. Like when I would listen to her, I would just imagine like this black and white film of Gloria Swanson on a, on a fainting couch in a silk dress with elbow length gloves holding a 10 inch bamboo cigarette a holder in one hand and a gimlet in the other just talking about like her life i thought it was i thought she was quite a character there's a man named robert birenbaum and he killed her for one very simple reason and i wish that i knew then what i know now yes gail educated me well, her sister, I mean, she, she did, she's did. she been through a lot. But I will say about Elaine, the thing that's very impressive about her, I mean, she's a very, very accomplished person who, like, sure. she has a law firm. I mean, she reminds me of um, Harlan Coben has this character in his series of books named Hester Crimstein. And she reminded me so much of that character. I mean, I listen, I listen to the Harlan Coben audiobooks. I'm completely addicted to them, even though they're incredibly cheesy. And Hester Crimstein is this very powerful woman lawyer who's also a TV personality who, like, is always fighting to get people out of prison and so forth. And just, like, she's every kind of lawyer, you know. She can get you out of anything. And sometimes she's doing family stuff. And sometimes she's doing, like, and that's what Elaine reminded me of. She's, like, a superhero in many, many ways. And... I love the part of her story where she's like, I'm over it. I'm not doing this anymore. And then, of course, she's not. Of course, she's not over it. 
Of course she's not. Of course she's still doing it. Of course she's still fighting for this situation. She's like the torso thing. It's like, thank you. You found the torso. And then they're like, the torso is not her sister. She's like, you've just ruined my life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, they didn't ruin your life. Science. It was science, Elaine. It was science. You know, I really feel for her, but she definitely is, um, you know, she's definitely a New Yorker and she's, def- but she's definitely incredibly, incredibly accomplished. You got to admire her for that. I was really surprised, Toby, that they got the judge who was the judge in his case. I mean, they definitely good sourcing in this podcast. And the judge, of course, did not sentence him to the maximum. But were you surprised by some of the sourcing they got here? And what is was essentially like a telling of a story of here's what happened. I mean, they 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 got good people. Yeah, I think the judge was an interesting I they kind of touch on it a little bit. I mean, I think one of the issues, I guess, that comes up is when the judge says the sentencing and she says, well, I, I took into account like the good work he was doing down in Mexico with kids with cleft palates or whatever. And, you know, there's, there's a quick little thing about, well, I don't see how that like really mitigates what he did. You know, I thought that was kind of an interesting moment for something that a podcast like this, which again, like we talked about has sort of a, a funny, inconsistent take on the seriousness in which it's it's sort of examining its subject. It felt like that was kind of a moment where they could have sort of clarified where they're coming down on things. And they, they sort of touch on it, but then they kind of let it go. But I, I think there is, it does to me seem like kind of a weird, it's like almost like a non sequitur. It's like, yeah, what does that really have to do? I mean, that's nice that he does that, but I'm not sure how that's supposed to make me feel like he should get out of prison early. You know, it's, it, it doesn't seem to really talk about his ability to be rehabilitated or, or be a danger to society or whatever. It doesn't seem to have any impact on that anyway. Yeah. I mean, the sourcing's good. Um, You know, I, I thought the voice, most of the voices of the women, like they, they all sort of have takes or interesting things to say about it. But again, it's like at the end, I don't know. At the end, I was kind of like, all right, so we just listened to a lot of episodes. And then what was like, what, what, what's really, what am I taking away from this? That right. was, it couldn't have been done in like two episodes. Like right. you had this cool woman's club with these people who'd been with this guy. And then there's also the fact that he killed his first wife. And there's this mystery around that that got settled. And those seem to be like the two things. And then everything else seems to be like color. Right. And then there's the end itself, which I know that some people really love. I did not. Which part? The reading of the names. Mm-hmm. I did not love it. I thought it was, um, I didn't like the montaging of it. I thought it took away, I mean, whatever they were trying to do, yeah. they kind of ruined with the montaging of it and the forced music part yeah. of it. I mean, they want to make like this sober acknowledgement of like the many women that vanished doing the say their name thing, but they end up contradicting that solemnity by like, speeding it up and then making quick cuts and this have this whole soundscape of it just kind of like cascading. Mercedes Vessel. Maria Rabazon. Heather Coburn. So how solemn is it if you just rush through my loved one's name to squeeze in the next one because it's running long? Yeah. Right? It just kind of seemed like it was performative in it, you know, by definition, and it just was like, ah. Uh, I know not what everyone. Did you bring to that? I yeah. know not everyone heard it that way, and I just want to yeah. acknowledge. I know a lot of people really love the ending, and I just, you know, I know that it just, it just, it wasn't. For That's me. been done. It wasn't for me. That has been done. Yeah. yeah. 
you know what I compared it to? It's very hard to not compare it to that Connie Walker episode of Raw Testimony, mm-hmm. where it's just, you know, I, I know it's not the same, right? But this this whole idea of just being able to listen to something with no narration for a long period of time, right? And how powerful it is or isn't. There's something too about these women sort of discovering this problem too, where you sort of want to like, it's not the same as hearing from people who are sort of in the problem talking about it. You know what I mean? And I think, and that that's why I kept thinking about that Connie Walker um, ep- stolen episode where you sort of heard that all that was just all raw testimony from people who were in the story rather than people reflecting upon the story. And uh, and that's why it didn't work for me. And in addition, you're right, Kevin, as soon as I heard that music swell up in the montaging, I was like, oof, this would be like reading the names at the 9-11 memorial and doing a montage instead of reading the names in some extent. I don't know. It didn't work, but I know that it did work for some people. So I don't want to give it too hard a time. I didn't feel like this was the podcast to do that either. Yeah. I mean, it felt like it was so specifically about this one person and these different women's relationships with them that then throwing in the names of all these other people who had nothing to do with that actual story, but had met with sort of a similar fate or unknown fate or unknown fate. It, it didn't, it didn't feel like it was really integrated into the show. It just seemed like something at the end. It's like, man, this, you know, this is a big problem. It's not just this. Here's a whole bunch of them. And we're just going to name names without any context. I, I don't know. It just, I guess there've been other shows that maybe it might've felt like it was thematically in tune, but with this one, which seemed like it was so intensely focused on this one guy and his relationships that it just kind of felt like it didn't really feel like it fit. And I get why they did it, but it just didn't feel like it fit. At Angel's Envy, envy is a good thing. It motivates us in the pursuit of better. It inspires moments worth talking about. Moments worth remembering. Moments that raise the bar. Like crafting a bourbon. Even the angels would envy. Angels envy. Worth the envy. Please drink responsibly. 2024. Angels envy. Bottled by Louisville Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the podcast, The Girlfriends? It spent quite a few weeks at the top of the podcast charts. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for The Girlfriends? Uh, I always hate being first. I'm a mild thumbs down on this, and this is why. I think that our host did a tremendous job as somebody not from the podcast world, not even from the media world, somebody from the healthcare world. Uh, coming in and narrating this podcast, telling the story of this man she dated and what 
happened with his wife, which was something that she was curious about when she was dating him and um, bringing in all the other women that had stories to tell. My issue with this is it was very long um, to tell that story. And as a result of it being, I think, nine episodes, I just sort of started to tune out at points, which isn't what I should be doing in this story because this is a story about somebody's life and this is a story about these family members and it's a story about people that have been affected. Um, There were some decisions made about how to highlight certain domestic violence themes that were perhaps not best uh, used in this story just in the way that this story, you know, was supposed to be sort of focused on Bob. And we we went a little bit off in other directions at point. And again, I feel like I don't want that to come across as that I am like doing anything to diminish raising awareness of domestic violence. But I just think in the way that this was done for me, it didn't work. And I think that overall, it was a good story to tell. I think it could have been told in half the episodes and I might have had a different reaction to it. Toby Ball, what do you think about the girlfriends? Thumbs up or thumbs down? So I usually know what I'm going to say about thumbs up or thumbs down before uh, before you call on me, uh, but I didn't this time. Uh, I think I'm a mild thumbs up. Look, I, you know, sometimes we say, you know, it's a shame because there's all the things here that could have made a great podcast and they just didn't like, I'm not even sure that there's all the stuff there for a great podcast. I think there's all the stuff there for a decent podcast. I like the fact that they took some swings, right? I mean, I think they tried some things that other podcasts haven't tried. I think uh, with the tone is one thing. I think, again, whether it's uh, whether it's intentional or not, I think there's a lot to think about in in terms of how how do people present and consume true crime in the way it sort of shifts from a lighter tone to a darker tone. There are times when they actually, the narrator wonders if she's, if she's taking the story too lightly. I thought the music was interesting and different. I'm sure some people are annoyed by it. I kind of liked it. So they, they try a lot of things, some hit, some don't like Laura said, it is, it is pretty long for what it is. But, you know, I give them credit for trying to innovate a little bit, even though I don't think it was like super successful. At least they tried. It's not like a cookie cutter podcast. They tried to do some different stuff and and some of it worked and, and some of it didn't, at least for me. So that earns them a mild thumbs up. Kevin Flynn. Toby, I think that the um, the music score, the vocal thing, it reminded me of um, the Jetsons when they had Eep, Op, Ork, Ah, Ah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I love that song. That, that means I love you. That means I love you, right? Yeah. And when I heard Eep, Ah, uh, yeah, I thought that's where that came from. Rebecca's hmm. giving me a stink eye. Like, I, I would just say, about. I think it's fucking brilliant that they put the score on Spotify as yes. a playlist. Yeah. I, I'm really surprised that more podcasts haven't done that. And uh, I went through the playlist today, and there's actually a couple of tracks that I really wish were on the mm-hmm. score on Spotify. That What's the name not. of the artist? Uh, I the don't remember. Deep Throat Choir or something. Yeah. Uh, but actually, it's actually a woman's name who, who oh, did okay. the score. But I'll just say, Kevin, there is one yeah. moment that I didn't mention in the podcast where the scoring does this noir version of the theme using tom drums and a saxophone. It is fucking brilliant. And it wasn't in the score, and I was very disappointed. Ah, so. uh, it's too bad. That's too bad. <laughs> 
Um, so for me, I I didn't hate this podcast. I am going to go thumbs down. I think one of the things it suffers from is the patented I Heart must be eight episodes of at least 30 minutes. Um, so let's stretch this out. I w- imagine that the um, the Girlfriends Club itself is probably a, in real life a little less loosely formed and um i just think that perhaps its existence and importance is embellished uh, so much as that you have some people here that were important figures in the investigation but as far as this uh look at the cover art it's a bunch of people peeking out through venetian blinds it's like it's it's sending a whole message about what this is and it's not that um yeah you know i just think it did try to do some things here uh i think they thought they were being elevated they're trying to do things that true crime podcasts don't do. And we listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and it's like, yeah, you're not doing anything different here. Other than the fact that you have this hook where you have the ex lovers of a suspected killer who have been keeping tabs on him over the years. Other than that hook, it ends up being a very rudimentary true crime story, no matter how it's told. So uh, I'm going to go thumbs down. I'm going to come sideways, which I don't love doing, but that's what I'm doing because I was enjoying this podcast at the start and um, it really suffers from its length. It really, really does. There are times where we basically have the same scene twice and then three times. Um, And there are moments that I know worked for other listeners because I see people gushing about them on social media and in newsletters that just didn't work for me. They felt performative and they felt... Like they were coming from a place of naive privilege and not authenticity for me. And I don't love the way domestic violence issues were handled in this podcast. I think it was very specific to this story. And I think it wasn't treated like it was very specific to this story. It was treated very much like blanket issues when it was very specific to this story. Um, I really, really like Carol. I really, really love the scene setting at the beginning. I don't think the girlfriends refers to the core group of people that the cover art is implying. I don't think the girlfriends refers to Carol and her friends. I think it refers to the people that all come together at the end of the story. And I think that the podcast, its initial promise isn't what you end up getting. And I actually like that about it. I just wish it was telescoped a whole freaking lot shorter because it shouldn't have taken us that long to get there. And there are other flaws along the way that you can listen to in my review. So thumbs sideways for me for the girlfriends. But you know what we say? Love what you love. I know a lot of people like they this. They love it. Someone told if me. you I, love it, great. Someone told me a podcast with me that this is her bone valley. And I'm like, that's great. I was really looking forward to listening to it. And when I started listening to it, I, 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 I will tell you, I understand why people like it. Yeah. It's just not. I don't. We respect if you like that. You know, sometimes we disagree with each other, so that's yeah, fine. and I don't hate it. Like you, I don't hate it. I don't think it's a shitty podcast. I just think it could have been very good with if it were tighter. And I, listen, I, six episodes can be a great podcast. Enough with the nine. Enough with the eight. Make it four. Make it six. That's what HBO does. Do, that, do it with this, for God's sakes. All right, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker... Do we have a cat of the week this week? Oh, this is my favorite story of the week, people. Um, Our dog of the week this week is Scout, a stray mutt. He was staying at an animal shelter in Michigan when he started sneaking out 
to go to the nursing home across the street in the middle of the night. He climbed the chain link kennel, said Heather Belknap, the shelter director. There's a six foot solid vinyl fence and he jumped over the fence. They could tell that Scout had been abused. His jaw had pellets in it. They think maybe he had uh, somebody had shot him with a BB gun, maybe. And he had a lot of things that made, you know, made them think he had come from a bad situation. However, his first nursing home break in, I like it, was back in 2017. He leapt over two fences, crossed a highway, went into the nursing home lobby and just like sat down on the couch. Well, anyway, the long story short is after the third time that Scout did this, a staff member took him home, wasn't right for them. He has now come to the nursing home and he has been adopted by the nursing home. This sweet dog who had a sad situation is now just bringing joy to these old folks that live over there. And I just think this is the nicest story I've heard in a long time. So Scout, I'm really happy that you are the cat slash dog of the week this week. All right, Laura, that is a wonderful story. I love the idea of Scout on that couch. Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you with their heartwarming animal story so that they can be pet or cat or dog or whatever of the week. How can they find you on social media? They can find me at Laura Bricker. Toby Ball, what about you? How can you be found online? Uh, at Toby Ball NH on Twitter and at Toby Ball 603 on the threads. What about you, Kevin Flynn? How can you be found? You can find me tweeting about the Roman Empire at Kevin P. Flynn. People are going to at you about the girlfriends. They're going to at all of us, I think. It's all right. If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can at me all you want on any of the platforms. I'm on all of them, at Reb Lavoie. Just don't at me on threads because I know I'm there, but I never like look <laughs> at it. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to regular Facebook, look for us, hit join the group, if you literally know any one of our four names, Lara, Toby, Kevin, or Rebecca, you will be let into that group. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get all the podcasts we make for back there. Again, that's patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredible Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement where I also gather for brunch with Kevin's many ex-girlfriends to gossip about all the skeletons in his closet. They would fit in this room, too, this little <laughs> tiny room. All it's all about the Roman Empire. Yeah. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you... Later. Later. Let's lead off and drop that first clip right now. Ooh, 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 ooh. Does that sound like the music? I got you. Yes, a lot of... I'm I'm not buying the soundtrack. I do want to talk about that. It reminds me of... um, Never mind. Partners in in Crime crime media. Media. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, Eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.